Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for Sunday, July 3rd, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Minister of Missions and Family Life at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, Will Mercy Me? The parable of the Good Samaritan is so familiar to us that it's dangerous. I don't know whether it's true or not that familiarity breeds contempt. That's not why I say it's dangerous. Our familiarity with this story is dangerous because we think that we know it so well, there's nothing new for us to learn from it. We tend to think, oh yeah, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The moral of the story is, we should help those in need. To be honest, when it appeared as the lectionary reading for next week, I was tempted to choose a different text. But since I had already opted out of today's lectionary reading, I decided to be extremely disciplined and stick with next week's. And I'm glad I did. Because sometimes a familiar text can open itself up to us in new and exciting ways. I hope that can happen for all of us today. The lead-in to the parable is an exchange between Jesus and a lawyer. The lawyer who quite possibly was a scribe, since scribes were the experts in the law. We're told that the lawyer is trying to test Jesus. When the lawyer asks, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. He may have thought, this carpenter's son turned preacher isn't going to be much of a match for me in a theological discussion. Big mistake. Jesus responded to the lawyer's question with a question. What is written in the law? Don't you love it when he does that? respond to a question with a question? The lawyer replies, you shall love God with your whole being and your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew and Mark's Gospels, it's Jesus who pairs love for God with love for neighbor. But here in Luke, the lawyer is the first to put the two together. That's right, says Jesus. Do this, and you will live. Notice he doesn't say, believe this, and you will live. He doesn't say, believe that you should love God and love your neighbor. Because loving God and one's neighbor is more than an intellectual exercise, more than a theological proposition, 
more than a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love of God and love of neighbor are evidenced in action. Do this, says Jesus, and you will live. When the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? Jesus follows with that familiar parable of the Good Samaritan. A quick, quick description of this road from Jerusalem to Jericho might be helpful. In the space of a little more than 15 miles, the road descends 3,400 feet. Josephus described the road in the first century as desolate and rocky. And in the late fourth century, Jerome stated that it was still infested with Bedouin robbers. It might be fair to ask why anyone would travel this road alone. Maybe this traveler who was beaten and robbed and left for dead was just plain foolish to be traveling by himself. Maybe he didn't really deserve anyone's help. What's required to be worthy of help? Anything? Or is the need itself enough to elicit a response? The priest and the Levite are cast as the villains in the story. They incidentally would have been the lawyer's presumed neighbors since the lawyer, the priest, and the Levite were all Jewish men, and by the way, all theologically inclined as well. But Jesus has them ignoring the needs of the wounded traveler. Why would they do that? On the surface, it seems hard-hearted and selfish at the very least. The story doesn't really provide any clues, but we might presume that they had performed their religious duties in Jerusalem and were perhaps on their way home to Jericho. Seeing the beaten, unconscious, half-naked man on the side of the road, they were probably afraid. As we've said, this road was known to be dangerous and frequented by robbers. Perhaps this man was merely a decoy meant to lure other travelers into a trap. Perhaps those same robbers were still lurking nearby and hurrying past was the only safe thing to do. Since the man was unconscious without touching him, it may have been difficult to determine if he was dead or alive. And touching a dead person would have rendered both the priest and the Levite unclean and thus unable to perform their religious duties. These are real fears. And before we're too hard on these two, we might ask ourselves, which path do we choose when we walk that fine line between our fears and our good intentions? 
I think we're fortunate in this church to have Russ and Amy as pastors. And I'm not just saying that because they're not here. Pastors who will take a public stand on the part of the marginalized, the downtrodden, and the oppressed. Pastors who see the inherent worth of every person and who consistently stand on the side of inclusion and justice and compassion. They are not afraid to live by their convictions and neither should we be afraid. When the Samaritan saw the wounded traveler, we're told that he had compassion and that he went to him. For the lawyer and for any Jewish person who heard this story, holding the Samaritan up as a good example, as in fact the hero of the parable, would be nothing short of shocking and scandalous. When Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the well, we're told simply that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, period. It's interesting that there are only three instances in Luke's gospel of someone showing compassion. Jesus himself shows compassion. The father who represents God in the parable of the prodigal son shows compassion. And this Samaritan is the third person to show compassion. Glenn Stassen, my ethics professor in seminary and author of Kingdom Ethics, says, love always sees with compassion and enters into the situation of the person in bondage. He points out that the wounded traveler is not merely in need, but is utterly and completely vulnerable and helpless, unable to save himself. 28-year-old Martin Lenny Skutnik was a low-level manager in a Washington, D.C. office. He was walking home in the ice and snow after work on January 13, 1982, when he saw Air Florida Flight 90 crash into the frozen Potomac River. Some of you, like me, are old enough to remember that crash. Most of the 70 passengers died on impact, but six passengers survived and clung to the tail section of the plane in the freezing water. Inflatable rescue rafts couldn't make it through the ice to save the few survivors. After a few minutes, however, a helicopter was heard overhead, and the helicopter repeatedly lowered a rope to attempt to rescue those clinging to the tail section. One woman, 26-year-old Priscilla Torado was too weak from spending over 20 minutes in the freezing water to hold on to the rope, though she tried repeatedly. 
She called out for help over and over as dozens of people watched, horrified, from the banks of the river. Seeing this, Skutnik removed his coat and shoes and without hesitation jumped into the icy water. He got to her just as her head went underwater and brought her to the riverbank, saving her life. He would later say, I just did what anyone would do to help another human being. Any good Samaritan, that is. Less than a month later, President Reagan invited Skutnik to attend the State of the Union Address, where he was seated next to the First Lady and received a long standing ovation. Ordinary heroes are now celebrated at nearly every State of the Union Address, and the Washington Press Corps refers to them as Skutniks. The Samaritan saw the wounded traveler, had compassion on him, and then, as Glenn Stassen would say, he did the deeds of deliverance. He bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, put him on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and there he took care of him. When the Samaritan had to leave the next day, he left over two days' wages and asked the innkeeper to continue his care, promising to pay any additional expenses on his return trip. The Samaritan certainly went the extra mile. He didn't merely help out to ease his conscience, but instead did everything in his power to assure that the wounded traveler would be brought back to health and wholeness, did everything he could do to assure his deliverance. We can imagine the lawyer listening to Jesus as he tells this story, thinking, as we do, that our neighbor is anyone in need of our help. Race, religion, sex, social status, sexual orientation, None of these things matter. Every human being is a child of God, created in God's image, and worthy of our compassion when they are in need. And then as Jesus is wont to do, he turns the story upside down and gives us an unexpected surprise ending. He asks, which of these three men proved to be neighbor to the wounded traveler? The focus shifts, and it's no longer about the person in need. Suddenly, it's about the Samaritan. It's about the one with whom the Jews have no dealings. He is the one who acted like a neighbor. In response, the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy on him. Not quite being able even then to bring himself to say the word Samaritan. 
And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Not many of us find ourselves in situations where we're called upon to care for wounded travelers by the side of the road or to save people from drowning in icy waters. But we can and we do provide food and shelter for homeless people on cold winter nights. We can and we do provide snack packs of food for schoolchildren who might otherwise have little to eat during the weekend. We can and we do tutor children in order that they might succeed in school. We can and we do provide prayer shawls knitted with love for our members and friends who are sick. We can and we do partner with a church in Cuba to provide support and nurture for their community. Many of you demonstrate compassion for the needy through these and other opportunities, both here in church and out in the community. Let us prove to be neighbors by having compassion, by putting our love into action and by showing mercy on those in need. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.